Hey, pull up a chair. It's Hacks on Tap with David Axelrod, Robert Gibbs, and Mike Murphy. Victimhood or victory? Victory! Grievance or greatness? Greatness! I choose freedom and hope and opportunity. Will you choose it with me? Murphy or Axelrod? That's that's the real question here. It is but a time you, for choosing, we'll, David, and I think America will go with Murphy for proven leadership. How about that, Senator Tim Scott? I've been look. It, he is the great test. Yes, you've been tatting the hell out of him. Uh, well, I I I want a non-grievance conservative, and mm-hmm. he's grabbing that lane. And we're going to now. It's going to take a while, but he's got that lane. He's got some candidate skills. He has a fascinating story, and he's got 25 and will soon have more millions of dollars to make his case. So we're going to find out. You know, he's had a wobbly start in some ways. I don't think he's ready for the fastball national press, but so did Barack Obama. We're, we're see. But I thought a good day for him yesterday, but who I want to hear from is the man who knows, our dear friend. Always sunny, <laughs> optimistic. <laughs> exactly. Just check the book titles. And their love manuals for the Republican Party, every one of them. I'm talking about the one and only Paul Begala. All right. Begala, hey good to see you. Great to see you. Hello, hello. So, you know what's striking, you guys, about the Scott announcement was after the sort of grinding back and forth between DeSantis and Trump, very dark sort of Manichaean view of the world, it really did stand out. Uh, Begala. I, I actually, there were elements of his announcement, and not just because he's an African American, but the way he used biography to extol the virtues of America uh, was very familiar to me. Yeah, I thought um, I, I thought it was terrific. Uh, I think uh, Murph is right. If you can get a post grievance Republican in the Trump era, every Republican looks like they all suck the same lemon. They're just angry and bitter and their, their faces are all contorted. And I'd forgotten that there's a facial gesture called the smile, which Ronald Reagan rode to a 49 state landslide. He beat us like a bad piece of meat with Sonny Pine. It couldn't have been more conservative, right? And Scott yeah, is right? very, very conservative. Yes. But he's a conservative who doesn't hate me. And that's got real power. Um, and and whether well, the primaries, I don't know. At the end of that uh, speech, he actually, he, you know, he used the word compassion, which I thought was actually banned by the Republican <laughs> National Committee. No, no, I think we, by- we've just had it in the safety deposit box for a while, but, but Scott but he, has the key. And he, but here's the thing, he, Mike, he, he, he said, I want, we should show compassion. And he said, including the people who disagree with us. Yeah. Which yeah. In, uh, in modern is, politics, that's like, whoa, yeah. but, but it's good. I think part of his formula. You can't even say that in the Democratic Party anymore. <laughs> no kidding. Part of, I think, his positioning that's either going to be rocket fuel or, you know, not, um, I'm, I'm, I have optimism that it could have more power than conventional wisdom thought until yesterday. Now they've got a taste of it. And you can kind of see the awakening. But he, he's not only talking about the grievance world on the right, which is so preeminent, he's also throwing a bit of an elbow at the grievance, everything's oh, terrible. Sure. America's a flawed state world on the on the hard, noisy left. Mm-hmm. And so in tone, he's the great moderate now. Ideologically, as David said, he's a conservative, uh, very Christian conservative acceptable. I think there's a danger he'll do the President Huckabee Lane in Iowa and box himself in. But I think they know, I know some of his people, he's got some very good people that um, – that 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 is is part of the formula, but not the only thing. It's too exclusive to uh, get you the nomination. But I don't know. I watch him. He just put six million on the air in Iowa. He's going to yeah. get famous with this. We uh, got. We've got. I want. I want actually that ad. Well, well, let's play it, and then, I, Begala, coming out the other side, I want to ask you a question just about presentation. But yeah, let's listen to that ad. Yeah, and th- this is what if you're a voter in New Hampshire and Iowa, you're going to see a lot of this sort of talk here. Today's kids are growing up immersed in a culture where everyone's a victim. We have to start teaching the necessity of individual responsibility. If you are able-bodied, you work. If you take out a loan, you pay it back. If you commit a violent crime, 
you go to jail. Can I get an amen? I'm telling you the truth. I'm Tim Scott, and I approve this message. Yeah, I mean, that's good red meat conservative messaging. It's value-laden. That's one of the things, you know, uh, I'm very interested in the contrast uh, with both Trump and DeSantis. Uh, we we touched on one, but the other is um, his his rhetoric is is really value laden, and DeSantis is is sort of synthetic. You know, it's kind of like I'm going to give you the top ten outrages, and uh, I've passed legislation on all of them, but there isn't an emotional connection to these issues, and there seems to be uh, with with uh, uh, with Scott. This is what I want to ask you, Bagala. Uh, and you know we should uh, Murphy. We should comment on this ad. You you only made ten million of them, uh, but uh, you know what strikes me? Uh, I said this last night on TV. Mario Cuomo, the late Mario Cuomo, famously said, "You campaign in poetry and govern in prose." Uh, Scott, I think there are real issues for him here, and I don't know if he'll ever take off, but he certainly understands the difference. In order to win, and you worked for a great storyteller, I worked for a great storyteller, to win a, a national election, you need to tell a story, and it needs to be an uplifting story about what America is and what it can be, uh, and uh, he's got that lift. I don't know that DeSantis has that lift. Trump is in a category of his own, uh, but uh, that that's what really struck me about it was this guy's a he understands the poetry, he understands the storytelling. Well, he he does. And as you know, as as President Obama taught us, as President Clinton taught us, when the values are rooted in your biography, yeah. then you know it's not just baloney. Exactly. It's not just out of a poll. Barack Obama lived the values that he spoke right. about. Bill Clinton lived those values. It looks like Tim Scott's biography. I don't know him personally, but it looks like his biography is deeply rooted in those values as well. Trump didn't have that. You know, Trump couldn't say, look, I grew up pooping in a gold toilet uh, and I think I'm better than you. But he did have that business background from the TV show. Yes. And so he rooted his message in that. Like, I'm a businessman because I was on a cardboard set. I'll get things done. Yeah. This this is deeper. This is deeper, though. And and, uh, DeSantis, as you guys know, as all the hacks know, because I've been on your show, I've been a DeSantis dissenter from the beginning. Yeah. (laughs) I was a dissenter when he was at 56. Among Republicans, five months later, he's at 21. At current rate of decline, when Iowa caucuses come, he'll be negative 35. <laughs> Why? Because he just sucks at this. Just in terms of talent. I, I don't agree with Tim yeah, Scott. He doesn't have the candidate have... gene. You know, Absolutely. maybe they can make it in the lab. They're trying. But but out of the box, you're right. He can't perform. He's, he's, yeah. he, he dances like a guy who learned how at Arthur Murray's. One, two, three. One, two, three. It's just... I, I, my wife has made me promise not to call him a klutz and a clod anymore, like I did on national television recently. So I won't say that. But yeah. it's just, he's just clumsy and oafish. Good restraint there, by the way. <laughs> he's clumsy, yeah, yeah. he's oafish. She's online too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is not because I, I disagree with him on issues. Of course I do. I disagree with Tim Scott on all the issues. Right. Just honestly, as somebody who's trying to judge horse flesh, like we, we all do, I, I never thought DeSantis had the candidate skills to make this thing work. Well, and also, you know, I've said this on the show before, but a very astute observer of Republican stuff out of the uh, out of the party had a great line about this Santa's, you know, there's no love in him Mm -hmm. and hard to run for president like that. Now, I look, I think they're getting a second look. They're doing a little better. He sold a few tickets in Iowa. He's not doing as much of the grievance stuff there. But fundamentally, you're right. I mean, Scott's got an Uncola thing going, which, again, could be rocket fuel. Because, you know, Trump says make America great again because we're living in an apocalyptic hellscape controlled by, you know, AOC. Scott says America is great. And here I am. I'm proof. Mm-hmm. And then he then he does a story. Now there's stuff we got to do. He has a line about the many of the rungs of the, on the ladder that lifted me up. The other party wants to take away. You know, he could go on the offense. But he's really the only guy saying you don't have to apologize for America. Uh, we just have to make it even better. And boy, that is unique and powerful real estate historically. And he's uncorking it. 
And he's his story and his demeanor. I mean, a, a, a member told me, you know, it's interesting. He is the most popular person in the Senate among both parties, mm. just as a human. Mm-hmm. And so we'll see if that can be bottled in the modern era and sold. But boy, oh boy, the market hasn't seen it for a while. And we all know in these multi-way things, being unique and authentic is a huge advantage to get from the group of 10 to the group of two. Now that we've uh, extolled the hell out of the guy's virtues, um, you know, I, I, I watched this interview that he did with Tom Yamas from NBC after his announcement. It was a fairly lengthy interview, and it underscored your point, Mike, which is he's really not ready for primetime in terms of some of the substance. I mean, his answer on uh, Ukraine was very elliptical, and basically what he said was, this is in our national interest because we need to degrade the Russian military. Uh, how about we can't have countries gobbling up other countries in a orderly world? How about, you know, what, what Putin is doing is uh, our war crimes and, and horrendous? How about all that stuff? And, uh, you know, there were a number of places there. His, his, his answers on abortion continue to be elliptical. You know, he's not. That's the word elliptical. He has the early candidate used to the warm bathtub of the state press corps. Uh, and now he's out there and he, he he's not ready for it. So he goes elliptical, which we've all seen before. And it'll be that's the arena. He's got to get sharp, strong and better fairly quickly. That's the big test. Until he has all the specifics of all of this policy, much of which is very difficult, nailed. He ought to stick with his values. So, Ax, you had it exactly right. You're asked about Ukraine. It's not about degrading the Russians by yeah, using right. our HIMARS. It's about freedom. It's mm-hmm. about democracy. By the way, yeah. Joe Biden does a great job about that. He says it's mm-hmm. democracy against autocracy. Now, I think most people don't know what autocracy is. I would say democracy against dictatorship. Well, if they, if they stick around and this election goes the wrong way, they can find out, maybe. <laughs> That's a good point. But Bush was, George W. Bush was this way. You know, the press tried to wrap him around the axle of abortion. It was easier then because Dobbs hadn't come. The Supreme Court hadn't outlawed, uh, uh, allowed states to outlaw abortion. But Bush, the first thing out of his mouth on abortion was, I'm for adoption. Whoa, that changes everything, right? Because now you're putting in a positive, loving context instead of (laughs) Trump saying, well, of course, women have to be punished. You know, and so those values that that's if I were coaching, Scott, it's like, this is where you're strong. Stay there. And I don't know why you would do a major national network on the first day of your announcement. Why not start in AAA ball? Yeah, <laughs> right, kind of right. work yeah, your no, way. They're not up. ready for the national press corps. It, it the elliptical thing is 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 interesting. You know, it, I'll defend them a little. Tactically, that's what the people in the Pentagon are watching every day: degrade the Russian military, force them to the peace table. So he, you know, if he was in a room full of thirty admirals, they'd not. The problem is, you're right; it's the narrative business. Got, America doesn't like bullies. We don't like war criminals. We like freedom. We're the strongest kid on the block. We're going to defend the weaker kid by helping him. Boom. The end. On to you know, and reduce everything by that. Not try to do quiz bowl and say, well, right. what Kissinger would say is in 60 days yeah. we can eliminate 30% of their striking power with F-16, you know, blah, blah, blah. So that's what he has to learn. Now, my guess is seeing him in his stump, and boy, I'm still hearing reports from Iowa on how he lit the Polk County Lincoln Day on fire. Mm. If he can merge those two and understand it's, you're not trying to win a quiz with the press, you're selling your stuff, and he learns how to pivot, then he's going to do some real business. If not, he's going to, I mean, the abortion answer is another great, it stumbled all over the place a few weeks ago. But what he was trying to get out is the old Republican move, which is pretty good politically. I will sign pro-life legislation, the best thing that can get to my desk, which is right. code for, they can get through Congress, which is code for, there ain't going to be no 20, you know, 11 week mm-hmm. ban or whatever. But he can't answer questions like a clump of yarn. He's got to, got to get to the straight line uh, business. My guess is he will, but now that clock is ticking. Well, you know, your point uh, before about not wanting to be Huckabee, in my view, this he has to win Iowa. I really do think he has to win Iowa. Yeah, he has to beat be. Trump in Iowa, you know, top two, but probably top one. Yeah. And so, you know, his whole card is evangelical voters. I mean, he has to do well with them. And there's a lot of competition for that, Mike. Pence is yeah. going after him. Trump has a base incredibly among them uh you know so 
And DeSantis is, I'm sure, the computer over at the DeSantis campaign is trying to spit out uh, a, a path to evangelical voters as well. Um, so it's not going to be not going to be easy for him. But it, it probably was among the more interesting of announcements. We'll see DeSantis next week, you guys. I, I guess he's going to formally file this week and announce next week. Is that what the plan is? He's he's coming on Hacks on Tap, isn't he? Yeah, well, he, he keeps begging us. It's a little weird, you know, but not only him, you also have four legs and 40 teeth of the candidate known as Christie coming, yes. uh, the attack dog. I don't think he'll get any votes, but he could be catalytic. Yeah, um, yeah. Because he can hurt people. I'm not sure he can get any votes for himself. He couldn't last time. So, yeah, the, the race has really begun, and let's just take a moment. Two years ago, you couldn't even hint you were running in the Republican Party. You burst into flames at the idea. Now these guys all sense weakness, and they're in for hmm. real. So we'll see. This is DeSantis's play. This is a binary choice. These other guys don't matter. This is what he told his donors, 100 donors on the phone or something. It, it's me or Trump, and only I can beat Biden. So get on board. How effective is that? <laughs> well, it's very DeSantis. You know, it's always boss hijack. There's my way or else. Um, all I know is, you know, I, I know a lot of big donors and bundlers, and I got a request from a guy in San Francisco uh, who started out in the Reagan days saying, who, who, are, who are the finance people there I should talk to after seeing Scott's announcement? So we'll see. I, I generally think that you have no choice. Moscow School of Fundraising other than Chicago municipal elections, David, is, is not a particularly good strategy with cranky Republican donors afraid of losing to Biden. That's an outdated comment know, about shameless. Chicago. Yes. But uh, Trump obviously, believed, you know, it was interesting. He, he did something that is almost unprecedented in the annals of Trump. He sent out a warm, tw uh, whatever you call it on social, tr truth social or whatever it is that he runs, he sent out a, a warm posting welcoming Tim Scott into the race and saying, better than that crappy, sanctimonious and all of that stuff. He, he is sending signals that he believes that DeSantis is his big obstacle here. He's actually aiding DeSantis in a way by saying this is a two-way race. And if you're Scott and these other guys, you're just hanging around waiting to see if these guys destroy each other. Right. Maybe Trump destroys DeSantis or DeSantis is doing a good job of that on his own. Maybe Christie can ding up Trump. But it's some And point. DeSantis, by the way. I mean, Christie will not be gentle on DeSantis either, I suspect. But at some point, it does need to become a binary choice in terms of the arithmetic. Yes, yes. Because I, I, I think Mike knows better than I do, but it seems to me Trump's vote is almost irreducible within the, the party. It's not 50, though. And, and I, I don't know if he gets to 50. Yeah, yeah. The question is, is it over 30? But it's 35 or so. Yeah. And, and, and uh, so you got to get down to a one-on-one. -on -one. Maybe right after Iowa, uh, I think. I think uh, if, if Tim Scott, I again, I don't really know him. If he's a smart guy, he's reading Axe's book, Believer, uh, because what you guys did in uh, in '08 for President Obama, Senator Obama then was the model, I think, for Tim Scott. You had a prohibitive favorite in my friend Hillary. She was thirty points ahead. She was winning everywhere except you guys targeted Iowa and went in there with a message of hope and inspiration, with something uh, more than just sort of programmatic liberalism. Um, and I think Scott is looking at that, if he's smart, maybe he's just doing it naturally. I would emulate that strategy because he's only got one hope. Go into Iowa, sneak up on this prohibitive favorite, and punch him in the nose and bloody that nose. And then you're off to the races, a binary uh, choice, which Obama had with Hillary. It took all year, but he did win a one-on-one -on -one contest. And I think Scott could win a one-on-one -on -one contest with Trump. But he can't win with three or four others dividing the anti-Trump vote. You know, we didn't even mention that your governor, Paul uh, Youngkin, is now signaling, having just recently said he wouldn't be running for president, he certainly wouldn't do anything in 2023, is now signaling like, well, maybe I will get in. So a lot of people are getting in. And I think you're right. The question is, when will they have the good sense to get out if they're not uh, competitive because everybody saw the script in 2016. It can repeat itself. This time is a little different. That's always very dangerous to say about the early primary. So we'll see. But first of all, um, the, the Scott's got to do what Bush 
uh, George, George W. Bush did in 2000, which is Evangelical Plus. Uh, if he's pure evangelical, he gets into a beautiful cul-de-sac, and he's President Rick Santorum. And those are the easy calories in Iowa caucus. But the other thing that's different uh, is back in my day with McCain in 2000, we skipped Iowa because we couldn't see our voters there enough to finish top three. And we saved it all for New Hampshire. Why? In the New Hampshire uh, primary, independents can vote, and a ton mm-hmm. of them did. We won them by double digits. We beat Bush among Republicans by single digits, huge delta. Well, because the Democrats have, for their own reasons, gotten rid of the Iowa caucus and gotten rid of the New Hampshire primary, Iowa now is full of Democrats and independents who like to go out in the winter and have an opinion, 172,000 of them. 30,000 of them show up in the Republican caucus, which is not hard to do. The party historically has let you register at the door as a party building technique. And now you go online, you can do it in five minutes. There are 30 or 40,000. That will dilute the Christian vote a little. And it's sure not good for Trump, other than a thousand college Republicans who'll giggle their way in to vote for Trump, they think helping Biden. So the terrain has changed a little. So if Scott is smart and does evangelical plus, uh, he can bounce into New Hampshire well if he kills the dragon in, in Iowa. And the big question is that Trump, you know, 33 or whatever after the big boy starts losing and is wobbly on the campaign trail then does it go to the low 20s and he's dead meat in new hampshire that's the way to beat him you beat him back to back he bleeds to death so we're safe but there's a path let me just certify having said all that and i I know every every week you make jokes about chicago politics and i make jokes about your fantastic heart and view of you know trump a world after Trump. I don't think Trump goes away that easily. Uh, and I, I, I actually think that this core, I don't know how large this core is. It's probably in that, you know, 35 to 40 uh, range. But listen, the guy is a world-class historic demagogue and he is shameless. He's a sociopath and all those things work for him uh, in, in, the, in this context. I, I would you know he is the front runner. He is not a weak front runner, uh, and I would not be uh, dismissive of him. Well, let me just let me just say quickly: this is going to be a great year because we're going to settle this. I think if he starts losing, if Donald Trump, Superman, starts losing, he won't go away. He's a psychopath, but a lot of his voters will. We will see. Okay, well, the, we we will see. I think the only thing worse for the Republicans than Trump winning the nomination is Trump losing the nomination. <laughs> yeah, because he'll okay. destroy them. Yeah, the mad Avenger. And again, David, you fought a tough primary against Hillary. When she lost, she even told me privately, she said, I want you to donate to Barack. I want you to support Barack. I mean, she was all in to unite the party. Do you think Donald wait, Trump- Wait, wait, did you donate? I want to make sure. I did, and I wrote okay. on the notation for negative ads only. And Senator <laughs> Obama said, you'll be happy with my campaign. I said, good, I know David Axelrod. I only want negative ads, sir. Uh, that's, I, of course I did, right away. And so- Hillary did that for her party. There's no chance Trump does it. First, I think no. there's no chance he loses. I, I think he's a nominee, period. Yeah. But I'm often wrong about that. And it's not my party. I would bet my life that should he somehow lose the primary, he will undermine the party, the process, the nominee at every Well, this juncture. is, this is I think, what the Biden campaign is counting on. Either they get Trump, right. who they think is, is, is mortally wounded for a general election, impossible for him to win. I'm not sure that's true, but uh, he yeah. certainly damaged goods. Uh, or they get uh, someone who Trump is tearing down. And, uh, right. you know, I think that's their whole strategy. The, the problem with it, though, is it's relying on Trump. You know, they, they're relying on Trump to reelect no, no, him. Absolutely. Is, and that is yeah, a bad a strategic point. way to look at a yeah. race. It's worrisome. I want you guys to listen to this ad, though. This is the ad that uh, Trump is running pretty heavily, his super PAC, not Trump. Uh, against DeSantis. Let's just listen to it, and then we can talk about it. London sales tax had a plan to make you pay more. With the sales tax here. And the sales tax there. Here's tax. There are tax everywhere. Sales tax. In Congress, Ron DeSantis backed a national sales tax, a 23% tax hike on almost everything you buy, from the gas station to the grocery store. You'll pay more here. You'll pay more there. Here you'll pay. There you'll pay. Everyone will pay more. 90% of families would get a tax hike if DeSantis replaced the current system, making Biden's inflation hit even harder. We can't afford Ron DeSales tax. 
Fortunately, we have a better choice. President Trump passed massive tax cuts, lowering tax rates for everyone. President Trump cut taxes and run the sales tax. Well, as the song goes. With the sales tax here. And the sales tax there. Here attack, there attacks everywhere, sales tax. Make America Great Again, Inc. is responsible for the content of this advertising. Ron the sales tax. Get it? We're doing it again. We're doing it twice to make sure it gets through. Well, listen, Murphy, Bur- but there were animals and stuff in this. I've I ran campaigns against you, Murphy, in and in, in farm states, and uh this sounded like a Murphy ad to well, me. Well, talking cow. Don't gamble on yes. Campbell from way back when. Right, right. Uh you know, it reminded me of a similar cartoon ad uh we ran against Rubio in 16 in Iowa, which which was kind of funny, full animation. Look, one, it's so long, it's it's a web gimmick. Uh, it's probably going to work to to rattle them. I mean, a friend of mine. They've bought sixties though. They're running. Yeah, well, then it's you know it's, it's a only problem. for CNN as a CNN or an access yeah, CNN. Okay. He's, he's paying our salary for the month. With this <laughs> well, all I know is that a spy in Tallahassee saw Casey DeSantis out at the antique store buying a cutlass the other day. So you know we we might we might have quite a chopping fight coming. Um, because the DeSantis guy, if they're the tough guy who's young and can beat Biden and Trump's the old crazy tough guy, they can't let this happen. And he right. does have that congressional record full of votes. So, so Begala, here's my question. So far, Trump has run ads against uh, DeSantis, attacking him for wanting to cut Social Security and Medicare. Now he's running ads against him for supporting a national sales tax. These are Democratic ads, right. or they once were. These totally. were... This is the way Democrats went after uh, Republicans. And it tells you just how much uh, things have changed uh, because, uh, you know, he's uh, Trump, as he uh, boasts all the time, he's not a traditional Republican. That, that's right. He understands that Medicare and Social Security are, are beloved and inviolable. And he's right when he says DeSantis voted for a budget that cut that. What he leaves out, and, and Mike, and, and you have made more ads than I have ever even watched. But apparently it's time limited. You only have 30 seconds or 60 seconds. So, so I guess the Trump people didn't have time to add, <laughs> oh, Trump's budget wanted to cut. So, tr- Trump's budget cut Social Security and Medicare. I guess they didn't have time to put that in there while he was attacking DeSantis <laughs> for cutting Social Security and Medicare. But Trump <laughs> tried to cut Social Security and Medicare. Why Democrats don't talk about that every day, I will never know. But I think, Murphy, it's really interesting that these are the issues that he's running on in a Republican primary. Yeah. Now, you know, that was tried against Trump. Schumer lover. Assault weapons banned back in 16, and because Trump's populism had so much power, it kind of busted off. Though it is, it, when you step back, you know what it reminds me of, and kids, you're going to have to Google this, but there was a Star Trek episode, the original Star Trek, with Frank Gorsham, the great impressionist and comic in it, about a civil war, uh, and he played two parts, and they, they had this face that was half black, half white, or half white, half, and they were killing each other. What's the difference? Nobody could tell, except they want to kill each other. Because DeSantis is running as the dime store Trump. I'm right. the non-crazy mm-hmm. Trump who can beat Biden, but I have all Trump's enemies. And this is going to blur it up, and it, 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 they're going to go after each other. Both campaigns are capable of emotional obsession by Trump, by the DeSantis world. Uh, uh, so, you know, I and this is one of these things I don't think either of them wins. But if I were DeSantis, I'd try to figure out how to counterattack and leapfrog my way out of this. Why hasn't he? What this, this is what I mean when the guy is terrible at this game. He's sitting there. He's been attacked on Medicare and Social Security, which are beloved programs, even among Republicans. He's being attacked on the sales tax, which he did support in his defense. He would repeal the income tax right, and right, replace right, it. With, right, right, but it's right. terribly unpopular. And he's sitting there. He doesn't know whether to scratch his watch or wind his ass. It's like, buddy, get in the game and punch him in the nose. He did, he did run response ads on Social Security. Yeah, he had that pickup ad where his bumper sticker went on top of the Trump one. But I yeah, I don't know. It was lame. I hear their world, and there's been some press coverage on this, is very tricky to operate in. He doesn't really like consultants. A lot of them are doing are in the super PAC. Well, he's unfit to be president then. That's it. Yeah, well, I was going to say. I mean, if there's one constituency <laughs> that is underpaid and overworked. Yes. So anyway, I don't know, but this fire drill is going to force them to start because there's enough money behind it to to come up with their strategy. Meanwhile, again, change the channel, and there's a guy sounding like Reagan who's interesting. So, so far, another good day for Scott and potentially somebody else, or Pence, or somebody else can catch fire. Or uh, Yunkin. Yeah, if he gets in. 
yeah. getting late. Yeah. But Cal is shaking his head. He lives. He yeah. lives in the state. An unhappy constituent. You don't think he's got. You don't think he's got it. I don't. I think he's. He just is trying to get attention because Virginia has a one-term limit for governors. Right. The ejector seat. Right. So he's 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 trying to get attention. Maybe maybe he'll run. I don't see him going very. He look. He ran a great campaign to get elected. Uh, he's, he's, uh, you know, got very evenly divided legislatures. He's not getting a ton done in Richmond. I think he's just trying to get attention. Okay, gentlemen, we will be back in a minute, but we have to pay a few bills. We'll be right back. Speaking of no win situations. Uh, As we sit here today, and we've been talking about this for weeks, that they'll probably get there. The the negotiations are going on on the debt ceiling. Run down politics of it, because that does seem like a no-win situation. I mean, obviously, avoiding default is essential, but no one's going to come out happy from this deal. It's going to be painful, is it not? Yeah, it's a, you know, look, I I believe there's a legit concern about debt and spending, but this perils of Pauline stuff is a hell of a way to run a superpower. It is not good when Biden has to leave an Asia summit early. Okay, here's the mic, uh, People's Republic of China. You take it from here. I've got to go back and deal with children because the world's greatest superpower in the reserve currency can't put one foot in front of another. That said, I do think they're going to get there. You know, this thing is always a crazy Carl Walenda high wire deal, and we happen to have a 90-knot gale going on in the middle of it this year, so there's danger. But they're inching toward a resolution, and yeah, I don't think there there be a, a big winner, but not having a catastrophe now counts as a win for both sides. I wonder what conversations are going on between McCarthy and Trump, because if Trump goes out there and says, you know what? This was a lousy deal. They should have hung tough. Biden rolled them. Uh, now I don't know if he'll do that. He'd but been that's urging what he wants them to. to do. Yeah. yeah, he'd be. You know, there are downside. There are downside implications for that because everybody who goes along with it goes down the drain uh, as well. Yeah, but and Trump still has an equity portfolio. So you know, <laughs> what Trump true. tells big donors is, you know, don't let me scare your wife. This stuff is all an act for the rubes. <laughs> you know, and so I'll bet there's a little of that in the conversation. Yeah. Well, it, will it affect that bank account he reportedly has in the People's Republic of Communist China? What is my former <laughs> president doing with a bank account in Communist China? Collecting interest. I no would good. Guess. No good. Yeah. Uh, it's bad, bad, bad. So, Begala, you know, the left is very unhappy uh, with that Biden is, is negotiating. And there's undoubtedly going to be some static about whatever uh, he agrees to. Is that good or bad for him? Oh, I think it's bad for him right now. And then your term, the first obligation is to unify your base. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, he, he, he got terrific performance in the midterm, his parties did, from young people especially. They seem terrifically disenchanted now, as well as black voters and other uh, uh, minorities. He's, so he, he can ill afford to, to, to piss off that base. And so uh, if, it seems to me he, he needs to do his people need to do a very aggressive uh, campaign on pushing off against what these folks are trying to do. In other words, step one is never call it debt limit. It's default. It's default, default, default. Will we default? Will Kevin McCarthy default on paying the bills that Donald Trump ran up? And Hmm. by the way, Kevin McCarthy ran up. So I I always call it default, not debt limit. And then second, they talk about cutting spending. They're not going to cut spending. They're going to cut hardworking teachers hungry school kids, deserving veterans, people who are fighting opioid addiction. In other words, the people you're trying to reach are theoretical conservatives and operational liberals. You go to them and say, government's too big and spends too much. And they nod their head. They say, you're damn right. And they say, okay, so let's lay off 100,000 teachers. Like, whoa, whoa, wait, whoa, huh, what? Let's close down this opioid clinic. Wait, no, stop. Gets back to Social Security and Medicare, you know, it's... Well, yeah, no, it's the golden rule of entitlement politics. Deficits don't vote. You know, they may kill the economy, future generations starve everybody to death. But no, I I think Biden has had a back channel for McCarthy. And I think McCarthy said, look, you got to give me a fig leaf here so I can herd my cows. And Biden's done that. You know, he's Mm -hmm. negotiating some spending cuts. That is a big Republican victory. And I'm sure Kevin would love to land the damn plane now because he knows that Biden's in a corner, can't go any farther, has already gone pretty far. So that'll be the question. Is it enough of a fig leaf 
They can scream and moan till the end, but but take it. Uh, that's McCarthy's lift, and uh, my yeah. gut is they will get there, but it's going to be a scary finish. Yeah, it feels like the uh, stumbling block, the big stumbling block, is how many years are you going to freeze spending for? Because the Republicans wanted 10. Uh, now they've come down to six. Neither is acceptable. So we'll we'll see what happens. Listen, I know, Murphy, you've been tweeting about this. I got to We got to talk about this. No labels. Yeah. Let, let's do a head explode moment here on a bipartisan basis. I mean, I know some of the good people involved in that. Even that, by the way, in Twitter, when you call anybody a good person who's not in the Democrat Socialists of America, it's fascinating how the thing will explode. But this is the stupidest damn idea. Uh, to come down the pike in a long, long time. Fink's dancing mules was a better idea than yeah. this. Uh, yeah. What is it? It's a bunch of people who, meanwhile, saying, hey, we need French vanilla ice cream because we don't like vanilla and we don't like chocolate. So, in other words, we're going to give people who know Trump as president is an assault on our rights and is un. It, it must be stopped, but they don't love Biden for a lot of, in my view, legitimate reasons. Let's give them a third place to waste their vote. Well, that's a gift to Donald Trump. And uh, this thing is, in my view, a first-class bad idea. So, Begala, first of all, we know some of the people who are involved, including uh, Mark Penn, who you know well, is the pollster. So here's what I heard. I heard that Penn is shopping around a 50,000-sample poll, a a 1,000-sample in each of those 50 states, uh, and... The, one of the people he's shopping the poll to is Joe Manchin, who is apparently warming up to the idea, having nowhere to go in the state of West Virginia, is warming up to the idea of being the candidate of this No Labels uh, party, uh, telling people that Penn assures him that he could actually win in a race with Biden and, uh, and Trump. <laughs> did he make a promise? Did, did Penn write it down? I guarantee you're going to win. Yes, in, dis- in disappearing yeah. ink, yeah. Uh, he 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 did that. Is am I getting? Am I wrong? I mean, I agree with everything that Murphy said. Mansion on the ballot. Like I'm sitting here right now in the state of Arizona, which Biden won by ten thousand votes. Seems to me Joe Mansion at the top of a third party ticket, and they're on the ballot here. There's some legal wrangling about it. Is a disaster for Biden. Almost guarantees that Republicans carry the state. Yeah, this no labels thing. And again, I have friends over there. You're right. Um, It's an IQ test. Anybody who thinks that a third party moderate does anything except elect Trump is a moron. And I say that with love for some of the morons at no labels. I feel your love. I actually don't think most of them are morons. I think they're very smart. And the simple arithmetic is irrefutable. Joe Biden won moderates by a margin of 30 points and he Mm -hmm. barely won the election. So you take any of those moderates away with a moderate Manchin, Lieberman, some of these others are talking about, you, it guarantees the election of Trump. It's a 100% certainty. Now, they published a map, which if you want a good laugh, I mean, this is Peter Pants funny. They have the third party, no labels candidate winning Delaware. Mm-hmm. Really? Piece of cake. Really? Yeah, sir. Delaware against Joe Biden. It's yeah. preposterous. That's how they get to 270. It's, it's completely stupid and they've got to get on all the the ballots and the electoral all this stuff you know it reminds me of the old steve martin joke about i know how to make build a hundred million dollar empire in real estate in just three days day one get a hundred million dollars um <laughs> so they're going to get on the ballot everywhere and then a plurality is going to win you're going to go to the electoral college and say hey republicans and democrats let's let's put the franchise out of business here Um, It'll be the biggest bipartisan unity thing in the world. What it really is about is giving people who know they can't vote for Trump a way to get out of voting for Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. It's like an escape valve to waste a lot of unhappy Biden votes. It will elect Donald Trump. There's no two ways about it. The arithmetic doesn't work. And the notion they could win. First off, the greatest, probably most talented politician in American history was probably Teddy Roosevelt. What other war hero won the Nobel Peace Prize? Right. I mean, he mm-hmm. killed people and he got the Peace Prize. He completely revolutionized American politics. And he, after winning the he presidency tried it. in a landslide, <laughs> exactly. he Flat tried his it. Face. Yeah. And all he did was elect the Democrat, Woodrow Wilson. Right. He divided the Republicans, mm-hmm. elected Woody Wilson. If 
Teddy freaking, who's on Mount Rushmore. Right. Joe Manchin ain't going on Mount Rushmore. Joe Lieberman ain't going on Mount Rushmore. If Teddy Roosevelt couldn't do this, are you really? Uh, it's just, it's preposterous. It's dishonest. And it's going to elect Trump. Well, dishonest is the key word. I think what it is, is a way for people who are eager for relevance, who want to be in the derby and want to make some money off this deal. Bingo. To do it. Right. If you really believe in it, our brother and sister consultants over there, if they believe in it, wait their fee. Do a pro bono. Yeah. Well, here, I've got one. I will personally donate $1 million to this. If Mark Penn agrees to let me build a cage high over Times Square on election night. And if they don't win, we're going to drop the cage 20 stories. And so if you'll agree to that, I'm in for a million because it is. I mean, our friend Fred Upton's for this. There are people I like who who look at these beguiling numbers and think maybe it's a way out of the nightmare because there are a lot of us like I'm not excited about voting for Joe Biden. But if it's Trump, I will. And I'll be very unhappy. But stopping Trump becomes the first order of business. And so this is a kind of a fantasy way to get out of that dilemma, but you've got to look at the big picture. Stop Trump. Wait, wait. First of all, I want to know when the date is when uh, Penn is in the cage above. First of all, it's generous of you to put up the million dollars. Oh, come on. For a cage, will you match me? We're making two million. Mark, you just got to sit there 12 stories high, and we have a red button, and if this doesn't know. work, and, Mark, and the, Mark the third doesn't come party cheap. candidate doesn't so. win... Uh, and Ned Lamont is not the next president of the United States or whatever the hell they eventually come up with. We push the button. Thank you, Mark. Let me just say, and and I love, you know, people in politics. They're my community for Republicans, Democrats. All right, eight stories. But if you put Penn in a cage over Times Square, I bet you we could get many, many contributors to that. I don't think you're going <laughs> to yeah, have to pay I for this the, alone. The million dollar challenge here is going to grow. Okay, let's take a break right here for a word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. One last thing before we get to the questions. Dianne Feinstein. Yeah. I mean, it's really a tragic thing, but in some ways, you know, uh, it's it's also very serious for the country and certainly for California. You're a Californian, uh, Murphy, though you don't like to admit it. You know, she's clearly, clearly in bad shape. There's been speculation about her condition for some time. The San Francisco Chronicle wrote a brutal piece yeah. uh, a year ago. Oh, Dems here have been talking about it forever. You know, this is one of the problems with one-party states. And I, you can make the historical argument about Byrd or Strom Thurmond in South Carolina, Republican yes. one-party state. Well, Pelosi says people didn't uh, because they're sexist. Well, I, maybe. I, I think if they you don't see them, the cocoon can hold them together for a long, long time. This is not new in American politics. But so, Diane, be, because of the nature of the state, they don't have to see her for her to be politically invincible, but eventually, I mean, a, a really weak Democrat got a big chunk of the primary vote against her, Kevin DeLeon. Um, so in a more competitive state, you're out in the daylight more and you can't really pull these tricks. So yeah, it's sad. It's sad. It's also sad for the people running for her seat or praying yeah. that, that they can just keep her around for a while because if, if the governor has promised to appoint an African-American woman, probably Barbara Lee, who's running, for Senate, one of the primary candidates. Uh, Sacramento's talking about caretakers and all that, but we all know here's here are the nuclear keys. You're a caretaker. Well, wait a minute, maybe I don't want to go. My new first name is Senator. So it, it is a first-class mess, and meanwhile, the Dems need the vote. You know, that's the other thing. It, this is easy in a 10-seat lead. Well, that's the other thing. But Gala, she, is a, she, she sits on the Judiciary Committee. Right. Republicans won't allow them to sub someone else in on the Judiciary Committee. That means judges. When she is not around, it, it is that is very difficult to get any judge who has Republican opposition out of the out of the uh, Senate Judiciary Committee. I mean, this is serious stuff. In full disclosure, she's a former client of mine, and I love Diane Feinstein. She is voting. She's voting just the way I suspect her state wants her to. Certainly, the way Chuck Schumer wants her to. She's back at work. She, her her health is clearly damaged. Uh, uh, you can see that, right? But she's there and she's voting. And I do think there's something to this. I mean, we all watched. Strom Thurmond went, quote, home every night to Walter Reed. 
He was living at Walter Reed and had no idea where he was or what he was doing. And nobody said boo. Uh, the same thing with Senator Byrd, not quite as dramatic. Uh, we watched uh, Mark Kirk and Tim Johnson, much younger guys, fight off strokes. And we gave them months and months and months and months and months to recover. And somehow everybody is banging on Diane Feinstein. Let me tell you, somebody who knows her, she does not respond to pressure. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the for sure. The more they attack her, the more she's going to dig in those high heels. And she's going to be senator till she's 200. <laughs> And she's voting. What the hell? She's voting right now. And she's Let me just say, on her 200th birthday, we're going to invite you back on Hacks on Tap. <laughs> and we're going, to, we're going to talk about this. But here's the thing. They were not honest about the extent of her illness. They did not report. It was the New York Times mm-hmm. that had to report that she had encephalitis, that she right. has this, this additional syndrome that's associated with shingles, all of which mm-hmm. have uh, impacts on one's ability to function cognitive ability so that to me was sort of unpardonable the the sort of the the secrecy around her condition but i actually don't think senators and congress members have the same duty of disclosure as mayors governors and presidents when you're an executive a chief executive we should have a greater right to know about your health but it's, it's now when she was not casting votes that was a big problem for the democrats and for the senate she's back she's casting votes I don't need to see her full medical records the way I want to see Donald Trump's, Joe Biden's, anybody wants to be my president. I think it's a big yeah. difference. I want to know what Cruz has. That, that, I like to get to the bottom of that. <laughs> I don't. Last thing I want to see is Ted Cruz's medical records. Believe me. <laughs> not, not that there's anything there, but anything about Ted Cruz is distasteful. Last question on this. I mean, I think this is a, a sort of, and I feel for her because she, uh, I mean, she's, you know, I, I, my image of her goes back 45 years to when she was so valiantly strong in the face of the assassination of her predecessor in San Francisco. She right. was a trailblazer in the United States Next Senate. Next door, but, she walked into the office and saw Willie Moscone shot right. in the head. Now, Willie Moscone, George Moscone. George Willie Moscone, Mus- yeah, forgive Willie me. Willie Moscone Sorry. was a uh, pool player, was pool he? player, yes. George Moscone. And, 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 of course, Harvey Milk. She is a great senator and a great person. I don't challenge any of that. And she deserves to be uh, remembered well uh, in history. I just think right now it's a kind of sordid, sad spectacle. And the, the Senate race there is, the politics of the Senate race is, race is swirling around yeah. it. I'm going with President Biden on this. He's got the biggest start in town. And he, he was marking he said yesterday, I wish the kid well. So that's, <laughs> that's where I well, am. That, but that raises the question, Paul, does all of this impact on Biden at all? This discussion yeah. of age. Every photograph of Dianne Feinstein in a wheelchair ultimately hurts Joe Biden. He's not in one. He looks great. He's performing well on the global stage, but that's a constant reminder that, that, um, you know, time is inexorable. Yeah, that, that, in that sense, it hurts the Democrats and it hurts Biden, but there's nothing you can do about it. That remains the question. You know, he, his answer on the age thing is always watch me, but you can't, mm-hmm. wa- you can't say, look into this crystal ball and see how I'm going to be in three or four years. And that's, I, there's no really good answer to that. And that's something he's going to have to parry throughout this campaign. But I think he needs to lean into it. I'm 80 years old. I'm 80 years wise. I'm experienced. Yeah, yeah, he is doing I'm, that. Yeah, I'm yeah. stable, right? I, I think you've got to lean into that more. And there, there's a lot of bad that comes with age. There's a lot of good. When history is written about the Biden president, I think one of the most important days will be the day a missile hit Poland. And everybody, including me, thought, oh, Putin is now bombed NATO. Oh, we got to go to war. Blah, blah, blah. You know what Joe Biden did? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Slept in. He shut up until he had the, because the, 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 he had the experience, the wisdom to know, don't pop off. We got the intel. We got the after action report. It was a Ukrainian missile that, that screwed right, up right, and right, hit right, Poland. Right. So Joe Biden kept us out of World War III by being old and experienced. Murphy has a different view. I, I think history will be kind to him. Oh, yeah. I think No, he, look, you know, on a lot of a lot policy, to... too. I, I'm not yes. yeah, just yeah. the politics of it. Here's something that I think is hurting him, though, and uh, as part of the age thing. I think you're right about Diane. There's a new thing called... I can't go see a dentist or a doctor now where they don't say, you know, what do you, you're in, what do you think about Biden? You know, I voted for him, but my friend's a neurologist 
Every uh-huh. neurologist in America is 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 diagnosing this guy with with some stuff and telling all their friends about it. Republican or Democrat. I've heard that like five times in ten days. Yeah, my friend's a doctor, big liberal, but you know he says Biden. And when you're eighty five, it is it it just watch your own life. I'll bet in thirty days anybody you know who's got friends or doctors is going to pipe up Republican or D. It's just out there, and that mm-hmm. is a hard thing not to just compound. And, you know, with the campaign strategy of, well, let's hope the Republicans hand it to us. If I were them, I'd have a whole red shirt team working on plan B, uh, somebody other. than. I, I don't know what the red shirt team is for that. I agree with Paul on the answer, which is uh, with age comes wisdom and wisdom's important in this job. Absolutely positively. And I think uh, he's uh, he's shown that. But I don't know how you red team uh, this issue. And I and, you know, uh one hopes that he gets through this campaign uh, and and the rest of his term uh, in yeah. good health. But boy, one health problem, you know, you say, you, yeah, exactly. Begala, he should lean into it. I don't want him to lean too far anywhere uh, <laughs> because if if he were to fall over. Then- well, don't worry, Kamala Harris will save him. You know, they, they're holding well, back the tiger it. there. That'll fix everything. We don't have time for that discussion. We will have that discussion, I'm sure. Next week. Or she's she wants to come on too, doesn't she? I think she's petitioning Axe to, to come on. <laughs> Anytime, Madam Vice President, you're always welcome here. As Biden would say, let's play the seventy eight here. It's listener mailbag. I'm moving from the Chicago jokes to this. And that was actually recorded. That was recorded in the year of uh <laughs> in the uh, era of the seventy eight. You know, Biden actually discovered the Beatles, not the band, the insect. But I'm boom here all week. Order the veal. He's an old man. How old? All right. If you have a question or criticism of old recycled vaudeville jokes, uh, you can send it to us at Hacks on Tap Give me the address. I want to send one in. Yeah. Here we go. You just send it to us by that by that uh, interweb, as the president would say. Hacks on tap at gmail.com. Hacks on tap at gmail.com. And if you had a great question, you thought those bastards, I didn't put the $20 in the envelope. I should have remembered Chicago rules. They didn't read my question. If it's a good one, resend it. We just get a lot of these and we only have time to do a couple, but uh, take another swing or send us a new question. We want to hear from you. All right. Our first question for the one and only David Axelrod from Corey. If a Trump Biden matchup in 2024 could lead to a low turnout election, would Biden benefit from a culture warrior like Ron DeSantis winning the Republican primary and galvanizing the Democratic base? Well, first of all, I, I don't. Th- I think we're not. We're in an era of high turnouts. I don't think we're going to have a low turnout election. I think one th- we've seen high turnouts since Trump came on the scene, and even without Trump, there were high turnouts. I think people are so uh, polarized now that we'll have one. Now, Paul raised the issue of younger voters. I think that remains a question. And I do think that uh, the thing that will galvanize younger voters are the stakes uh, of uh, on some of these major issues. But let me just say, let me just repurpose this for a second and say, one of the things I find kind of, and I may have mentioned this last week, Murphy, when we had Joe Scarborough on. Uh, you know, one of the pitches that DeSantis is making is um, I can win and Trump can't win. And he keeps tacking to the right to win the nomination in a way that I think makes him unelectable. I mean, he has embraced every one of the things that drives independent voters, suburban women, that galvanizes younger voters, you know, on abortion, on guns, on book banning, on on a whole range of things. So, uh you know, while DeSantis isn't uh, the uh, incandescent figure that Trump is, I think his positions are are, are really galvanizing, and I I, I think uh, uh, he is making himself unelectable and making the electability as he makes the electability argument. I don't know how you guys feel about that. No, I think there's some truth to that. The problem is primary voters don't see it that way. DeSantis has a sharper knife and he's younger. He'll really tell him off and win, you know. But I think strategically, you're right. He, he's he's running into a cul-de-sac to try to beat Trump. On paper, Begala, a sort of muscular, capable governor, would be the nightmare opponent for Biden. But now uh, DeSantis is attaching all this freight that I think will weigh him down. He's trying to out-Trump Trump while running against Trump. Yeah. yeah. This is foolish. That There's yeah. 60% of the party yeah. that's very, very open to a non-Trump candidate, and he seems to not be appealing to them. 
Right. I, 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 you know my feelings about DeSantis. He's just appallingly bad at this stuff. Yeah, we've beaten that horse to death. And, and probably will for another six months before he before he flames out. Ooh, I think we've kind of coined another name off that we can send to the Trump people. Nag Santis. He just <laughs> won't give up. So Murphy. Yes, sir. A questioner named Thomas says, will Republican state presidential primaries leading up to 2024 remain winner take all? And how important to the outcome is the answer to that question? Not all of them are winner take all. Right, right. Now, there was a bit of a quiet movement that didn't go anywhere. To change it. The Democrats do winner take all. Yeah, they're nice, you know, and so therefore you're in fourth place. You had a nice song, you get a delegate or two. It's why their contest goes on a long time. I'd argue that's good. It makes it more of an endurance battle, really vets candidates through a ring of fire. We're all mean social Darwinists. So we're like, well, you got four less votes. Get out of here, loser. No delegates for you. Get hit the hit the highway. So that was good for Trump because you can run the table. If you have momentum early by having a plurality win. So the argument is this is great for Trump because he's got 40. It'll never be less than 45. Well, it actually is now. Um, but I, I would have been for changing. The way the rules work is until March, right. it is proportional to the Republican Party. But if you become kind of the the front runner with momentum, it's easy to crush the table in theory moving forward. So that's why the whole game is you got to, knock Superman on his ass in Iowa and New Hampshire and maybe finish him off in South Carolina because whoever comes out of South Carolina uh, as as kind of the front runner then starts to have a delegate advantage. You can quickly roll up the numbers. So not going to change. By the way, the, we should have mentioned earlier, the aforementioned Senator Scott is running fourth in single digits in South Carolina, something that one more reason why he has to win somewhere to yeah. kind of galvanize his base. And, and that'll change overnight if he wins, you know. But exactly. if he doesn't, there's no there's no firewall there. It's made of balsa. For him or Haley, who we haven't really talked about, is also from South Carolina, also running right. in Iowa, but has almost no cash on hand, $4 million in the last report. We'll see how she mm -hmm. does in the new one. Begala, Gordon says, if you were advising the Trump team, and let me add my own commentary, they would be wise to have you. A and I'm sorry to put you in that position, says Gordon. How would you go about setting public expectations for Iowa? Trump has to win. He has to place first. I would caution <laughs> all the press not to not to look at the number 42, 32. Who cares? A win is a win is a win. And what Trump does excel at is grievance. And if he has three, four, five, six opponents, see, they're all coming out to get me. They're all coming after me. They're all woe is me. Look at all of the Republican establishment, all of the rhinos. Please help me. If I just survive this and if I finish ahead of all of those Republicans, you know, I think that's kind of going to be his his mantra. Um, he's he's he, he's always been a plurality candidate and he's always been a grievance candidate. And I think he's going to stick to both of those two things. And if he places first, I think it's going to become uh, 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 you might you might could derail him in New Hampshire per the Murphy uh, strategy. You can't do two things at once. You can't be right. the prohibitive front runner and 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 want to skip the primary and go right to the general with Biden and at the same time lower expectations for yourself in these contests. I think he's stuck with who he is. All right. All right, guys. Book club, right? We got to plug a book here. What book do you want to plug? This is something we're asking of our guests these days. It's the best book I've read this year and the hardest. Uh, it's called The Escape Artist. By a fellow hack, Jonathan Friedland. I don't know if you ever mm. dealt with him, but he covers U.S. politics for The Guardian in Britain. He came to the U.S., traveled around, and knows U.S. politics better than I do. And he hosts the most prominent uh, BBC podcast on U.S. politics. Yes. So he's one of us. Yeah. In his spare time, he writes novels, which I haven't read. And then he just completed a history. And Friedland's book is called The Escape Artist. And it's the story of Rudy Verba, who I never even knew about. Rudy Verba and his partner were the first... Jews to escape Auschwitz and they escaped and they, they tried to bring a warning, especially to the Jews of, of Hungary. Uh, it is an astonishing book. Mm -hmm. Verba was uh, a, a unusually brilliant. He was a teenager. He was like 19, but he had this incredible encyclopedic photographic memory. And because of the various assignments he had at, well, as they were trying to work him to death at Auschwitz and then Birkenau, he memorized everything, everything. And he gave perfect documentation of what was going on. They wrote a report. 
The report goes to Churchill, Roosevelt, and the Pope. And of course, you know the shameful way that the world responded or did not respond. Anyway, it's an amazing story. It's so heartbreaking to read at the beginning. Uh, And then at the end, it's so heroic. Jonathan Friedland, The Escape Artist. Highest recommendation. I'm going to check it out. My quick plug is for An Ordinary Man, The Surprising Life and Historic Presidency of Gerald R. Ford. It's great. I'm Mm -hmm. in the middle of it. Richard Norton Smith. And I'll plug Rumsfeld's memoirs of the Ford era when they were trying to figure out how to handle Nixon leaving uh, called Win the Center, Hold by Don Rumsfeld. Don't let the Rumsfeld thing scare you away. It is magnificent. Puts you in the room. uh, And it's a fascinating time. All right, guys. Well, I didn't real I didn't come prepared, but I will uh, I will tout from strength to strength by Arthur Brooks. It's actually a really thoughtful <laughs> book about how one approaches the second half of their lives. I'm preparing for it for whenever it comes. So, uh, but it's it's really <laughs> and Believer it's, by David Axelrod on sale yeah. everywhere. <laughs> so all you got to do, folks, is go to hacksontap.com/slash/book/club. Or go to your local independent bookstore or steal it from your neighbor. However, they're all great books, but we do have on our hacksontap.com slash book club, an easy way to click through. And yes, we get as many as three pennies from Amazon to help pay for the show if you buy it through there. Don't give that address to your neighbor, though, if you swipe the book from them, because I don't want to get blamed because Murphy encouraged you to engage in a in a uh, <laughs> breaking and entering anyway guys that would hold you down to only nine votes a year in chicago a felon rap like that <laughs> you are you are <laughs> the, Bacala, thank you. you got in right under the wire oh, oh I'm, i got God. a quota Bacala, I you're the best man it's great to see you come back thank often you, we'll have this is going to be an interesting year so we need you brother yes uh, well i'm back as a listener every week so um i'm always honored to come back as a guest Oh, great to have you. And Axe, always fun. Good to see you, pal. All right, brother. See you next time. Talk soon. Talk soon.